Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. I wanted a career in which everything would matter. So I joined the CIA and now I help protect our families, our friends, and every fellow American. Find out how everything you do in your career can impact our nation. Visit CIA.gov careers to learn more and apply. And what's up, what's up? Wes Mitchell here alongside Chris Clark. This is GC Live Friday episode of the show, getting ready for South Carolina versus Georgia. We are, of course, as always, brought to you by our great friends at Affordable Medical. Check them out at AffordableMedicalUSA.com, 803-926-1493. They are, of course, home of the game day chair, which we'll tell you a a little bit about here shortly. Hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. Hope you enjoyed your cranberry with your Thanksgiving meals. I had a great Thanksgiving, and I tell you, Chris, let, let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and talk about it, man. Um, I absolutely, one hundred percent, after having two Thanksgiving meals yesterday, needed a game day chair because I was done. Yeah. Um, now. Also, we need a gym sponsorship because I need to stay in the gym for about 48 hours now. But 100% yesterday, the game day chair would have been money. Yes, absolutely. Game day chair. I mean, I I think probably what would you have gone with? The zero gravity position on that? Because you just just need to float on the chair. The three three desserts were... um, My gosh. Yeah. Dude, I was so full. We ate our meal. Well, you had two. I had some leftovers that night, but we ate our like meal meal at lunch, and I couldn't even do dessert. And I'm sad to report that I, I told my wife this before we came up to do the show today that uh, my leftovers meal today for lunch, which happened at about 1230, was even more substantial than the actual meal I ate yesterday, which was not a good idea before the show. So if I happen to fall asleep, it is not because Wes is boring or any of you are is because I am still trying to come out of a little bit of a food coma. If I was in the yeah. game here, I would be asleep, but I'm not in it right now. So we're good. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm going to be honest. It may, it may be because I'm boring, man. I, I think we pride ourselves on honesty and I, I got to snap out of it because I'm still feeling like 100, and I slept, I went to bed early. I slept great last night. Took a little time off yesterday. 
I have no excuses, but the 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 hangover, not even a traditional hangover. I didn't drink, but just the holiday hangover is yeah. absolutely 100% still in place today. Um Nectarios asked about my plate um rundown. I I'm may, maybe at the end of the show. I'm I'm going to save uh I'll save y'all from that, but the the list of things that I ate yesterday, we don't have a long enough show to talk about between the two meals because I had one had one meal with my uh, girlfriend's family and another meal with my family, and um, I pigged out in both of them. Mike Yuva says too much stuffing. It's not stuffing; it's dressing. But anyway, 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 Gamecocks getting ready for Georgia. We'll have Roddy Nabolsi on at about 2.15, so 10 minutes from now or so. Um, texting with Roddy right now. Hopefully he'll be able to get on here and tell us a little bit about this game. Man, um, so I, I think um, as we look <laughs> – okay, and Matt on Facebook says, who cares about your food? This is a Gamecock channel. Matt, we're all friends here. We're all family here. This is a uh, – show where we hang out for about an hour every day. So if you don't like it, you can get off because we're just hanging out, having a good time. Uh, Chris, <laughs> Thanksgiving, was it great? Was it perfect? I was going to stop talking about food, but now I kind of feel like talking about food a little bit more. But we won't. We'll talk Gamecock football. Chris, good Thanksgiving. And are we back into coaching search mode for you? Yes, we are. Um, it was a little slower yesterday. I think uh, not that the search by any means stopped. My understanding is that there's still moving parts even on Thanksgiving Day. So maybe the people in the search turn Thanksgiving into a meal as opposed to a day or maybe two meals, maybe three. Much champ reference. Must, yes, there you go. But, um, yeah, I mean, just not a lot of activity. You know, our last update, like in terms of substantial sort of like harder news was what on Tuesday – and that mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily mean that nothing's happened, but um, these things have narrowed down a little bit more. Last we heard, South Carolina is still expected to continue vetting slash meeting slash talking to, however you want to, to put it, candidates this week. And then from there, we'll see where it goes. We'll see where things stand after they wrap up some of those. Um, there are still some left to do as of today. Um, and once those happen, I think we'll have a better feel and we'll be able to continue updating, you know, everybody on GamecockCentral.com and here on GC Live. I, I do think it's kind of interesting. We, um, and maybe fans, look at, you know, an AD or, or coaches almost to be, you know, almost like celebrities, and um, we forget they do have actual regular lives as well. So yesterday I, I did, my mind was kind of wondering, how, you know, is Ray Tanner, does he get to sit down and, and still have, you know, a meal with the fam as well? Or is he getting, you know, is his wife sort of giving him the side eye at the table because he keeps having to get up to, to take calls, um, you know, because the coaching search. So I, I imagine it is a little bit of both. You probably do try to take a little bit of family time on Turkey Day. But obviously a coaching search, as we've said, as you've said, you know, and, and as uh, you put in your article today, really good article on Gamecock Central. I believe that one's a freebie, right, Chris? Uh, the it ticking is. clock. You broke down. Not that you want to hurry through a coaching search. It's one of those things. Uh, it's like taking a test that's timed. You still better get the right answer. So you don't hurry through and get the wrong answer, the wrong coach. You know, you have to do your due diligence. I, I think, obviously, but. This is a situation where every minute, every hour that you don't have a coach, there are some negative repercussions to that. And that they've talked about, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of people sort of have wondered, well, why, why did South Carolina sort of make a, a move as early as they did? Could you have waited to the end of the season? And I think basically point being, if, if you really start looking at a calendar – you say, okay, the season, you got you got two games left, right? You got a game tomorrow, you got a game next Saturday. If you made your move to actually officially fire Muschamp right after that, you know, December 6th, then would there have actually been time to go through the process of 
filling this vacancy. Now, could you have been doing all this stuff behind the scenes? I think, obviously, logistically, you could, but word would get out. Then it's a matter of, um, you know, is, is it right? Is it morally right to just be running an entire search behind your coach's back or to sort of have your coach finish in the year when he already knows he's fired? I, I think South Carolina wanted that clean break, wanted to be able to sort of go ahead and move forward with the search. Are you taking some hits right now? Obviously, South Carolina has lost six commitments as well. So we we anticipated that, but it, it, it's happening. It's happened. Some fans obviously see that, and then you get a little bit impatient, I think. That's natural. Mm-hmm. But I still think that that time period, like the week after, and when I say the week after, I mean the early part of that week, like right after South Carolina's final game. If you can have somebody in place there, then I think that has given you enough time to actually go through the process, vet all your candidates, while also getting a coach in place before the all-so-important early signing period that begins December 16th. Yeah, exactly. I mean, getting somebody in the week after that last game, assuming – now here's the other part. In in this COVID year, uh, you do have to consider that, you know, the SEC's got a make-up date. And so it looks like things are on track for tomorrow for the Georgia game, as far as we know. There have been no indications otherwise. Um, you know, will South Carolina be on track against Kentucky? Now they've had some guys out. They're going to have a bunch of guys out this weekend, 10 staffers, 18 players, according to Mark Stoops. So hopefully for both parties, that doesn't get any worse. So how would that be handled? The makeup date is what, the 19th, right, Wes? So, um, you know, there's a lot to consider there. But ideally, in a perfect world, if you have your guy and you can get your guy in, you know, December 6th or whatever it is, um, December 5th, you know, December 6th, whenever you can make it official, official, um, you can sort of hit the ground running. And is that going to give you a ton of time before the early signing period? No, it's not. But are there one or two guys out there that you can get to hold off on signing with another school? Are there some guys you can maybe get back in this recruiting class? Are there some guys that, um, you know, out there that you can you can hold over till February that you've got ties to, you know, in another place? Maybe so. And Wes, just recruiting your own roster, I mean, I think is is a big part of it. If you can get some guys, you know, get your program stabilized internally um, with, with the transfer portal looming out there with the possibility of this legislation coming in in January that could allow people sort of a free and clear one-time transfer without having to sit out, those are things that you've got to consider. And that's why if you have your guy, again, if you have your guy and you feel good about it, get it done as soon as you possibly can let him get in there, let him get rolling. Yeah, and, um, you know, clearly the, the other part of that, as you said, I think in your article as well, Chris, is getting your, your staff in place. You know, you want to have – and I think based on what we've seen in the past, probably, you know, your, your staff, generally there's sort of a flow to it. Maybe there's a guy or two you know right off the bat. Then you have to sort of consider every single person – that you're hiring is sort of in the same boat as your head coach was and that they're trying to finish their season. They're not trying to be that guy that just dips out on their current team and does things the wrong, the wrong way. They want to tell their guys as well. So could you possibly have every single assistant coach, like every guy in place before the 16th? I would say probably not without us knowing exactly who these different, uh, you know, coaches are, especially as you said, with games getting, you know, getting pushed back. Certainly you hope and think maybe you have a few guys that are involved in, you know, in a championship game here or there. So is that going to sort of be in the ideal situation where you just bring all your guys in? I really doubt it. I wouldn't anticipate that. Now, one thing we have sort of seen though, is word starts to get out on, on guys. Sometimes it's it's sort of a situation where somebody finishes out their time somewhere, but it's sort of known that they're leaving. Um, word about those things can sort of get out as far as – because that's the other part of it, man. A family of a recruit doesn't just want to know who's the head coach. 
They want to know who's my kid working with on a day-to-day basis. So even, even if you have this thing done as far as the head coach, I think a big thing to watch after that is going to be coordinators, assistant coaches, how quickly can South Carolina get them in place um, and sort of at the very least, even if they're not there yet, how quickly can South Carolina, even if you just sort of have to leak it to the recruit and the family under complete secrecy, I think that that does happen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I, I think those are other things that – and we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but looking ahead, that's that's what we'll be tracking instantly after we find out who the actual head coach is. It's going to be tracking all – you're filling out a 10-man you know, staff as far as on-field assistance. So the, the fun does not end when the head coach gets hired. And the strength coach, you know, is another one. Very important. Yeah, it's important because that's, I mean, that's a guy that the strength coach and the strength coach staff are going to be spending a ton of time with those guys. Um, and then, you know, your off-season program, whenever it happens to start, you know, obviously winter workouts, you want to have that guy in place as soon as possible as well. Um, and so, and that's something you can even pitch in recruiting in some instances. So, um, yeah, I mean, hugely important. Just to get this thing stabilized, I mean, that, that's the thing for South Carolina, especially. You know, any school that's going through this, it's the case, but especially with where South Carolina is at with the recruiting class, that's something I, I hit on in that piece you referenced, Wes. You know, this recruiting class wasn't great earlier. You know, when Muschamp was dismissed, it was in the 40s, if you're using Rivals.com rankings. Are there some good players in it? Yes, there's some good players, but they've lost several of those, right? So now you're in, what, the 80s, 90s? I haven't looked at it today. Somewhere around there. I think 90s. And yeah, so 90s. So, so one recruiting class like that, if you're low on numbers, if you're low on talent, doesn't matter who the coach is, that can really come back and hurt you. You know, you can't, you can't afford with the level of competition where South Carolina would have liked to be in the future. If you go back and look at that recruiting, if this recruiting class in the next three, four, five years, you don't want to look back at that class and say, oh, that one was really – one that has hindered them. And so in order not to do that, you have to find a way to try, you know, to, to stabilize the class and to add some talent to it. Yeah, no doubt. And they're um, right now, I mean, again, South Carolina down six guys, uh, Trenelius Tatum adds his name to that list. Um, you're down Simeon price, Bryce still, who now has a December, you, you want to talk about dates, a December one commitment date. Yeah, it's not good. Not South ideal for the Gamecocks. <laughs> right. and, and, you know, some like you said, dude, is this a highly regarded class overall? No. Are there some dudes South Carolina could use? A- absolutely. I mean, Bryce still, I would dare say, one of the gems of this class. Um, he's off the list. Jaden Johnson has already flipped. Uh, well, not flipped directly, but has already um, committed to Arkansas. George Wilson, defensive end prospect, everyone around here was really high on, and Rodarius Thomas also uh, decommitting from the Gamecocks as well. So, all right, let's turn the page here a little bit to the South Carolina-Georgia game. I uh, see Roddy down there. Roddy, give me a thumbs up if you're ready to come on board. Bring in right now. It is Roddy Nabulsi, UGASports.com. Summer is winding down fast, but you already know that. Just like you know that it's a big no-no to spend even a second of Labor Day weekend laboring in line at the liquor store. So this summer, get Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop local stores and compare prices on the biggest selection of beer, wine, and spirits, right from the comfort of your couch, patio, or unicorn pool float. And then get them delivered to your door in under 60 minutes. That's less time than it'll take your friend Steve to get his charcoal properly lit. (laughs) Frickin' Steve. So if you're looking to skip the labor part of Labor Day weekend, download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today. Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. They have a great live show going um, on their site each week as well. So Roddy is a veteran of the live show, <laughs> YouTube shows and the Zooms and all this stuff. Uh, Roddy, how are things in the Athens area, my friend? Uh, so far, so good. Uh, Georgia seems to have found a quarterback. The defense isn't exactly what they were hoping for, but uh, 
uh, uh, compared to what a lot of the other schools in the SEC have had to face this year, Georgia's uh, their issues have been on the field, you know, and not in COVID and stuff like that. So uh, they're quite thankful that uh, uh, Georgia hasn't had as many issues there, but the product they put on the field has not exactly pleased the fans. So uh, a mixed bag would be the best way to say it, a mixed bag. I got you. And most seasons are a mixed bag. I feel like nobody's, you know, nobody's ever truly happy. One team, one team a year is happy. (laughs) Exactly. And even they probably complained for most of the season. (laughs) Uh, at least some people did, you know. So, um, yeah, so you, you mentioned it. You sort of uh, – that was the direction I was going uh, COVID-wise with this Georgia team. And then just injuries in general. I know they've been kind of banged up at at some portions of the season. How does Georgia look going into this game just as far as availability of players just overall with their team right now? Overall, they're, they're pretty healthy. I mean, the defense has lost a lot of starters. You know, you have Richard LeCount out. You have Jordan uh, Davis out. Julian Rochester's out for the year. Uh, I mean, you can just keep going down the list. But unlike uh, when Georgia hosted Mississippi State, they brought in 49 players and then a bunch of, you know, like uh, 10. Uh, I say 10, but they brought in, um, you know, three specialists, a lot of walk-ons, you know, Uh Georgia, from a numbers standpoint, is fantastic. You know, when they brought in Chris Smith to replace Richard LeCount, Chris has, you know, played multiple games before. When they had to go to a dime package, they brought in William Poole. He's had tons of experience, you know. you uh, And they and they still have guys behind them. You know, if they lost another couple guys, they could have gone to a mere speed. You know, they could have gone to Jalen Kimber, a true freshman. Uh, same with the wideouts. You know, you've had George Pickens out for a long time. You lost Dominic Blaylock to start the season. But you still got three or four wideouts to go down the list who haven't even gotten on the field yet. So Georgia's loaded when it comes to numbers, mm-hmm. experience not so much. But uh, they've not had they've, there's not been an issue where they've lacked four players and you had to put a third string uh, uh, walk on out there to take snaps. And some of the teams Georgia's played have been in that boat. Roddy, to to move to the quarterback position because from what I've seen from afar. That's probably captured the most attention in Athens this year, or maybe, or maybe by a far. lot of it. Yeah, yeah. All so we're at JT, the JT Daniels phase now. Break down sort of where things were at the beginning of the year with Georgia, and sort of why it was there, and then how we've progressed to where things are now with JT Daniels, and and sort of what he's brought to this team. I don't. People that know me know I'm not a big uh, defender of Kirby Smart. You know, we're, I, I don't say ambivalent, but, you know, we don't, we're, we don't exchange Christmas cards, but I'm not antagonistic towards him. He's a coach. I'm a reporter. Uh, I, I don't uh, feel like they ever need to defend him. But when I go through the litany of where Georgia, how Georgia got to this point, it sounds like I'm defending Kirby Smart because let's go through it. You should have Jake Fromm in his senior season under center. But Jake Fromm leaves early to go to the NFL, kind of caught some people off guard. And but you, you prepare for that as a coach. You guys have had fantastic quarterbacks and you know that uh, there's a chance they're going to go early. So you uh, you prepare to that end. Kirby Smart brought in two quarterbacks, he brought in Jamie Newman and JT Daniels. You know, Jamie Newman was killing it at Wake Forest. Uh, people talk about him being a top you know, first, second, third round draft pick. And then you bring in a five star guy who was only behind Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields in the rankings. And. You get Jamie Newman, you get him a bunch of snaps, and that's your quarterback going forward. Then he decides to opt out. Like, okay. But then what about JT Daniels? JT Daniels is a pretty good five-star guy, you know, number four in the nation. He's coming off ACL injury that he did not rehab very much over the COVID break. He was very behind in his uh, uh, rehabilitation. I always point out that Dominic Blaylock uh, t- uh, tore his ACL much later in the year at the end of the season. And, you know, and uh, JT Daniels did his the first game of the season. But Dominic Blaylock was much further ahead in his rehab than JT Daniels was. So I uh, just gives you that. And again, not banging on the kid. You just, you know, you couldn't go to all the rehab places. A lot of places were closed in California. So he was behind. So all of a sudden Kirby's like, well, I've got Dwan Mathis who had the brain cyst surgery. And I've got Stetson Bennett, you know, the former walk-on who's on scholarship. Carson Beck is a true freshman. Mm. Where do you go? So he went with Dwan Mathis because Dwan, you know, is fully cleared, and uh, you want to you want a quarterback who can run. Your offensive line has been completely decimated by the NFL. 
you know, you got eight guys from that offense on last, last year's offense are in the NFL this year or uh, one's playing at Tennessee. So you're like, All right, let, just in case the protection breaks down, let's have a guy who can take off and run. So they bring in Dewan Mathis, and he is not ready for prime time. So they go to Stetson Bennett. Stetson wins you the Arkansas game. He beats a very good Auburn team. He beats a very good Tennessee team back when Tennessee was on an eight-game win streak. Uh, he looks great through the first half of the Alabama game. Then it all went to hell. So uh, Kentucky was a you, you, Kentucky's a weird game because you they're just going to ground and pound and no one's going to go to the air. It's the best secondary in the SEC if you look at the numbers. So you go to Florida and then Stetson Bennett gets hurt, slammed to the ground, uh, hurts the AC joint on his shoulder. They leave him in, thinking you know at least he knows the plays. He can't get a pass completed. They bring in Dewan Mathis. Dewan is still not ready for prime time, and the one guy who's finally getting close to healthy, you take a 80, 90% uh, JT Daniels, and you throw him out there last week, and he absolutely torches Mississippi State. And then everyone's like, well, why didn't you start him for game one? He wasn't ready game one. He's still wearing a knee brace. So it's a, I know it's a long story, but Kirby did what he needed to when he found out he was going to lose Jake Fromm, brought in two quarterbacks. One didn't, one didn't pan out at all, and one wasn't ready. He went to his backups. One wasn't ready. One got injured. And one was a true freshman. So that's why you have the JT Daniels situation as it is now. It's just a uh, – it's a 2020 story in a nutshell, really. Again, uh, joined by Roddy Nabulsi, UGASports.com. Check out their content for, uh, you know, their uh, side of the game, Georgia side, but other stuff as well if you're a Georgia fan or you're a South Carolina fan and wants to read up on Georgia, UGASports.com. So, Roddy um, – what has the reaction been to, to JT on the field, uh, you know, both from you and, and your crew there at uh, UGA Sports and, and the fan base? What, what have y'all thought of the actual product now that you're getting to see him out there and seeing him throw it around a little bit? Yeah, I, I got roasted for my prediction on uh, uh, before that game uh, against Mississippi State. I said that JT Daniels would be serviceable. Uh, I said, look, there's a reason he was not, you know, out there right off the bat. Uh, part of it was uh, – uh, you know, injury. Part of it was, you know, when he was close. Let's say when, let's say when he was like ninety percent back or eighty-five percent back, was that good enough to beat out a Stetson Bennett or Dewan Mathis? And according to the coaches, he wasn't. They they kept saying repeatedly, he's cleared, he's not wearing a knee brace, but the other two guys give us our best chance to win. You know, every coach loves that best chance to win thing. And then when he lit up Mississippi State, uh, everyone's like. Ha, coaches were wrong. Roddy, you were wrong. Everybody was wrong. We told you the kid was a five-star. CCC. And I'm like, slow down. This was a Mississippi State team that ran cover zero and cover one throughout the game. They loaded the box to stop the run. They have a terrible secondary. And I hate to say that about any kids, but their secondary is bad. You know, uh, it's a one game. You know, and again, the, the reaction is everyone's like, this kid, this is a kid that should have been starting from day one. I think the sample size is too small. I think uh, if you run just a zone, you know, uh, cover two. There were three plays in that game where he was able to throw to the end zone, 20, 30 yards into the end zone. The receivers were wide open, back-to-back-to-back plays. Kyrus Jackson dropped one. George Pickens dropped one. Then Kyrus Jackson caught uh, third and 20 in the end zone for a touchdown. How often have you guys seen wide-open receivers in the end zone on back-to-back-to-back plays. Doesn't happen. That's not to say that – I mean, he still had to put the ball in the money, and he did three times in a row. That's uh, a testament to what JT Daniels can do on the field. Uh, Looking ahead to South Carolina with all the opt-outs you guys have in the secondary, that's – he's got to be salivating. But there's no way Mike Bobo says, we're going to load the box eight players deep every play, even when we're down on third and 20, you know, I just don't see the same – I don't see any team playing Georgia the way that Mississippi State did. It was a head-scratcher. And, I'm, as again, I'm not trying to take away from JT Daniels because he put the ball in the money repeatedly. But at some point, you know, if you're going to go one-on-one with George Pickens all game long, he's going to torch you. Mm. And that's what Mississippi State did. So I think that was a perfect game for uh, – JT Daniels to come back into. I mean, you just a quarterback couldn't ask for a better situation where you've got one on ones and uh, great protection, you know. But I, no other team's going to say, "Look, yeah, uh, we're going to leave George and whoever 
whoever else wants to cover him one on one on island and see how that works out. Roddy, to go a little big picture here, and I'm sure we'll we'll dive sort of back into the the matchup this weekend a little bit, but bigger picture, you know, when when Kirby Smart was hired at Georgia in advance of the 2016 season, obviously it seemed like perfect match, you know, former dog, um, you know, who had really been honing and crafting himself to get a head coaching job. Recruiting has really taken off. They've obviously done played for it, you know, done some really good things there. Where is the fan base though with Kirby Smart? You mentioned hasn't gone this year exactly how folks have envisioned. Overall, is is this is this on schedule? Is it ahead of schedule? Is it behind schedule with where people think it should be with Kirby Smart at Georgia? You're starting to see some cracks of the fan base at this point. Nothing major, but it's the uh, it's the couch fan that says, "Well, it's year five. You're supposed to get better each year." Well, year one was tough year two they played for a national title you know and you've lost that game in overtime so everyone thinks well then year three you're obviously supposed to win year four you're supposed to win year five what the hell's going on you know are you regressing and it just goes show how hard it is to get there you know one loss uh one one bad game uh lost south carolina last year i mean that that was just a brutal game in the rain you kept throwing it uh you know three interceptions that that South Carolina derailed your plans last year. Hey, it's a, it happens. It happens to Alabama. It happens to Clemson. It happens to other teams. But the, the frustration is you got rid of a coach that was a 10-win-a-year coach, uh, Mark Richt, but who couldn't get you over the hump. Kirby looked like he was doing that. You know, year two, you're playing for a title. Now, year five, you've had three back-to-back-to-back recruiting titles, if you will, back-to-back-to-back number one classes. So, but this is the first year in the last three, you're not in the SEC championship. So the Justin Fields transferring the quarterback issues this year have, you're finally starting to see some people going, well, where's the title? You played for it in year two, it's year five. Mm -hmm. You've messed up the quarterback situation twice, fair or unfair. I'm just repeating what the, uh, what the criticisms are. And now you're starting to see again, and it, I would say it's 3%. But as you guys know, you've seen this. You come out, you have 100% support. Then you have a, a one season that underachieves and you're at 90%. 90% sounds good, but that 10% is a very vocal 10%. And every little thing that goes wrong after that, that 10%, they crow about it because nine of their friends were yelling at them. But if mm. one thing goes wrong, then they come out and they scream, see, I was right. And then it's 15%. You know, then you have another bad season or a season that's not the standard you want. Now it's 75 percent, 65 percent. And then you're changing coaches mid-year. You guys have seen it. Uh, I've seen it. It's just the way the fan bases go. So there's a crack in the support for Kirby Smart, but it's not a torrent. It's not an issue. But it's the first real questioning you've seen of Kirby Smart. And it's mainly due to the offense because he's fixed the defense, which that was always a huge problem under Mark Ricks. But now the offense has taken a few steps back. And I think, you know, if Jake Fromm's under center, you're probably – you definitely won that Florida game. Uh, who knows about the Alabama game, but um, if Jamie Newman's there, maybe you're in it. But it doesn't matter because, as you guys have seen, that win-loss record, you can't escape it. And it doesn't matter what your reasons are. Every reason is considered an excuse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, no doubt. So, obviously um, – somebody you guys and every Georgia fan is very familiar with, Mike Bobo, uh, the interim coach at South Carolina right now. Um, I feel like we're barely getting to know him. You know, obviously he's only been here for a year or half of a year, basically as OC. He's tried to put his stamp on that offense here. A lot of the issues, again, as you said, may sound like excuses, but a lot of the issues on offense, I still say completely out of Mike Bobo's hands. Now he's thrown into this, um, interim coach role he's tried to put his stamp on this team the last week or so very difficult to do in that short period of time we all know but what, what's sort of still the what's the take on Mike Bobo from you know from from Georgia country as far as uh Mike as a coach and uh is there still some uh is there still some love for Mike Bobo from uh from the Georgia side of things uh, absolutely it's it's kind of the situation where you don't know what you have until you lost it you know you guys could think back to that girlfriend you had in high school that was just you look back on it now and it's like, oh man, she was perfect. How how the hell did I let that how how'd that go wrong? You know? Uh 
Mike Bobo, when he – and I always go back to that South Carolina game when they're on the goal first and goal and he doesn't run Todd Gurley on three plays. Hudson Mason takes a snap. You get a grounding call and no one blocks the backside guy at three straight plays. And that was almost the straw that broke the camel's back with the fan base. Again, they like him. Then they don't, then they don't, then 5%, 10%, 30%. And then, you know, the, the, the trackers would just club anybody who defended Mike Bubba with, well, how do you not give the ball to Todd Gurley against South Carolina? Yeah, so. That still gets brought up here as well. Yeah, well, that, that, that happens, you know. Uh, but at the same time, Mike's like, hey, everybody knows it's going to him. There's 11 guys in the box. Maybe we do something different, you know, and you yeah. had, uh, execute that play and something, you know, it's a completely different ball of wax. Point being, when he left, he was averaging 41 points a game at UGA. 41 freaking points. Georgia hasn't sniffed that in years. Uh, they went through Schottenheimer. They've gone through Cheney. They've gone through Coley. You know, now Todd Munkin's, you know, uh, very talented. And again, you're in that honeymoon phase, 100% support. You know, just wait till he doesn't get it done. That it's his fault too. But the point being, a lot of fans were tough on Mike Bobo. They thought, oh, well, he's just a Georgia guy. That's how he got the job until they saw how good he was elsewhere. And they saw how bad your offensive coordinators could be. And now they love Mike Bobo, and they really wanted him to come in and replace uh, uh, James Coley, you know, and not let him go to South Carolina. They really wanted Kirby to do that. Uh, Kirby chose to go in a different route, got Todd Munkin. Uh, I think it's – to me, it's almost a situation where they're too good of friends. You know, sometimes you can't work with your friends, especially in one of you's a boss and one of you's, you know, the underling. I, I just don't think it worked out. But, no, the Georgia fans love Mike Bobo, and I've always said that Mike would be a great head coach. I know the Colorado State job was a tough get, but if Mike Bobo is in the SEC, he's one of the best recruiters out there. This is a guy who, under Mark Rick, would go toe-to-toe with Alabama and get recruits. And you guys know how tough that is. Yeah. You know, and, I mean, clean above board recruiting and mm-hmm. Mike would be able to win recruits to Georgia under Mark Rick against Nick Saban. Tough, tough call. And mm-hmm. when he gets them, he knows what to do with them. If you pair Mike with a good defensive coordinator, he understands defense, but you know, everyone has their strengths. Pair him with a good defensive coordinator in the South, not in Colorado, not in the PAC 12, not in the, uh, you know, Big East, something like that, you know, and not some of those old conferences, you know, not Rutgers, but give him a job in the South and Mike's going to burn you because he'll out scheme you. He'll outwork you. He'll out recruit you. And mm-hmm. uh, me and him would butt heads. I've actually coached little league against him one time. <laughs> he torched our kids, but there, uh, Mike and I, we would butt heads when I covered him. And, uh, but there's a lot of respect amongst the Georgia fans for what Mike Bobo is going to do. And a lot of respect between Kirby and Mike. So it should be a, uh, they, they, I mean, I'm sure if Mike did the same thing, they played it down on their side. But you know they're texting the crap out of each other, just giving each other nine types of hell. Yeah, yeah. So, Roddy, to zoom back in on this particular game, you know, Wes and I have talked. It seems like we've done it the past several weeks for various reasons in South Carolina's matchups and that the, the pathway for South Carolina, especially with their injury list piling up and where they are as a team, you know, the path looks difficult for them. But – but to get your your side of it, at least, um, you know, what what do you see in terms of this game as far as Georgia's strengths in particular against South Carolina and then sort of maybe how you see this game playing out on Saturday? We got to like an accurate quarterback. Georgia's had wide receivers running open all year long. I mean, that I don't know if it's the wide receivers themselves or Todd Munkin's schemes or the plays that are being called, but there have been receivers open all over the field all season. Against Florida, Georgia couldn't hit them. You know, against Kentucky, they just ran the ball because that's the only way to attack Kentucky. Uh, last week, you know, 400 yards passing, one of the he's only the eighth quarterback in Georgia history to ever do that. You know, he did in his first start. Looking at uh, the secondary in South Carolina, I'm like, okay, you only ran for a total of eight yards last week uh, because again, you know, the MSU was determined that Georgia wouldn't run the ball. They stack the box and dare Georgia throw it, which, which is exactly what all the other teams have done. If you stack the box and dare Georgia to throw it, now they can. So you're going to have to be more balanced, which means Georgia will be able to run the ball against some different sets. Now, having a quarterback who can't move a whole lot, you don't have to worry about the quarterback run. And that's kind of why they went with Stetson Bennett and 
Duan Mathis early. So, and then when you have to bring that uh, wide receiver in to you know set the edge to block, he brings a defender in with him. You're still outmanned, outnumbered, you know. And the defenses will tee off when they know the quarterback can't run. And that's not to say he can't; he's just not good at it. So, Georgia will try to force the run to try to be more even, but you got to look at that secondary and say, hey, even if they're, you know, uh, cover two, they've got, they're bracketing George Pickens. That means that uh, Kiers Jackson's free or Jermaine Burton's free. I, I expect them – they will want to run the ball because they're built to run the ball with all those tailbacks mm-hmm. on offensive line. But I just can't see them avoiding taking advantage of South Carolina's opt-outs in the secondary. And that's not to say the guys behind them aren't as good. I don't know. But I just think that uh, they really want to go. Uh, Kirby is all about percentages. Let me attack you where you were weakest and put the strongest amount of force against your weakest uh, position. Yeah, and um, obviously, like Chris said, man, it's it's a tough matchup, I think, all the way around for South Carolina. A lot of those guys, I was looking back at the game last year, a lot of those guys that made plays for South Carolina last year are um, one, of, one of them is one of the opt-outs. One of them, yeah. you know, quite a few of them are in the NFL right now. Exactly. Um, you know, so if, if you sort of look at it from that perspective, it's not, it, you know, there's carryover every year. But certainly from the prism of, like, that game, a lot of those guys that made those plays will not be suiting up for South Carolina on Saturday. Um, which leads me sort of my final question. Chris, I don't know if you have anything else, but um, the – Going into this, is there a revenge factor at all for Georgia in this game? Because at least here, there's sort of – I don't want to say the game is an afterthought, but it, it does not have sort of the hype that a usual South Carolina-Georgia game does here because everyone is more focused on – you know, South Carolina season, I don't want to say it's over, but they're not playing for anything anymore. Everybody's focused on coaching search and the future and wanting to see what happens next. Usually – South Carolina fans are up for the Georgia game. For them, it's like right below Clemson almost. Like this is the team you want to knock off every yeah. year. It's sort of lost a little bit of that edge. Is there is there a revenge factor with Georgia, or is this sort of just the next game on the schedule considering how weird 2020 has been for, for everybody? No, you're right. I haven't got that vibe at all, talking to the players, talking to the people within the program, uh, close to the program, talking to the – our sources on the inside to like, Hey, is this, you know, this is the, the payback factor. They're like, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, so actually in my uh, prediction piece, uh, we, everybody puts out score predictions on Friday uh, on my staff. And uh, I basically call this uh, 2021 preseason scrimmage. Number two, last week's was preseason scrimmage. Number one for 2021, you know, uh, once Georgia, and I know Georgia's technically still mathematically in the SEC East race, but most people have, Figured there's no chance that Florida loses two games. Consequently, mm-hmm. Georgia's not going to be in the SEC title game. And when you lost that game to Florida the way you did, one quarterback getting hurt, your backup quarterback coming in and just not getting it done, Georgia needing a solution quarterback that appears to be JT Daniels. The reason people want to play, I mean, we actually had people say, look, just can the last four games. You're out of it. There's no point in it. Just, just prepare for next year. I'm like, okay, that's psychotic because we don't get a whole lot of football games. And even if you're not playing for a title, that doesn't mean you stop playing football. These guys lift weights all year long to play in games. And you have freshmen you haven't even seen. There's three five-stars that haven't seen the field for Georgia yet this year. You know, you'd like to get out there. A ton of freshmen that have just barely gotten in. And if you want to be good next year, you start the season with Clemson. You know, it might Mm -hmm. be a good idea to get some of those guys uh, some reps and find out who your quarterback is going to be. So the idea that, uh, okay, it's payback for South Carolina for that uh, game last year. Amongst the players, there are a lot of guys who are like, we're, the seniors want to finish on a high note. The mm-hmm. uh, freshmen, sophomores, juniors want to get more reps. The juniors especially like, hey, I might need some NFL reps if I decide to go early. I need to show what I can do. And you got freshmen and sophomores who are trying to make a name for themselves and get better. So, again, it's a lot more – it's the next game up than it is. Hey, remember what happened last year? Again, all the Georgia's offense sputtered so badly in that game, but eight of those starters are in the NFL, mm-hmm. and, one, and one kid's playing at Tennessee. So it's not the uh, the personnel 
changed and the years changed and it's just not the revenge factor. So, I mean, you, you've read it exactly right. You've got a great uh, pulse for both sides, Wes. So we'll, uh, we'll see what happens. Sa- we'll see what happens Saturday night. Uh, check out our content on GamecockCentral.com. Check out the Georgia perspective. Oh, yeah, we're just going to steal everything you do and put on our site. Trust me. We're not hey, that's fine. Start. That's fine. <laughs> uh, actually, we I, may I, need to I, 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 I interrupt you here. I, I do want to point out uh, your site is we steal content from you guys all the time. The way you do your uh, reporting, the stuff you do is fantastic. And I hope that everybody watching the show realizes how good a uh, site we have covered South Carolina. You guys are a bulwark in the entire uh, Rivals Network. And, yeah, we're jealous as hell, and we just try to steal whatever you guys do. <laughs> we we uh, genuinely appreciate that, man. And by the way, so if they if they do, and I'll, I'll say it's probably going to be a little too Georgia-centric for our hardcore South Carolina fans, but if they want to watch along the game, y'all doing your watch along on Saturday like you oh, yes, do absolutely. every week? I mean – Oh, that, that's the idea we want to steal. You pause your TV, you know, and it's, it's, it's great to do it on your phone or an iPad or a laptop. So pause your TV for about 10, 15 seconds and then sync up with us. And, yeah, you, it is kind of Georgia-centric because Coach Donnan, you know, former Georgia head coach is on there saying we and us and we need to do this. Mm-hmm. The rest of us, you know, we try to keep it as uh, uh, unbiased as possible. Right. <laughs> but, boy, if they're doing poorly, Coach will rip them. You know, uh-huh. I'll tell you what the other team's doing well. And we've had some folks that cover Mississippi State, Alabama, uh, people that are fans of those uh, teams. They go, this watch long. You learn a lot because it's a lot better than – and that's not to take a shot at uh, Matt Stinchcomb, the former Georgia guy who's going to be doing uh, the color yeah. on this show. But Coach Donna does not have to make anybody happy back in the control room when he breaks down these games. They are – I go back to that uh, Florida game. He was brutal. <laughs> he was absolutely cruel. Yeah. Like, so if, if you want to check out the watch log, it's something good. I, I know you guys uh, uh, cover South Carolina like nobody's business. So what we should have done was have one of you guys sitting with us while we did the watch log. Hey, I'd, I'd have been down for that if I got some of those. Uh, I think it's your Bud Light uh, seltzers. Oh, Bud Light seltzers, um, baby. We knocked those back by the truckload. Yeah, uh, but no. So if if y'all want to watch that, uh, just search on YouTube. Uh, it, or what what is y'all's YouTube uh, handle? Go to YouTube slash UGA Sports. UGA, okay, YouTube.com slash UGA Sports. And like you said, you sync it up during the game. Not very many people have a former SEC coach literally calling plays before they happen um, on the the live watch along. So it is a cool deal. That I one day, if we could ever have a watch along with Steve Spurrier oh on the Game God. Central Show, then. Uh, I don't think we can afford um, the head ball coach and his time, but um, that that's what it, that's the equivalent of what it would be for South Carolina fans. So we get them to sponsor it, baby. Yeah, or um, what's uh, what's the Let's get together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome stuff as always, Roddy. We appreciate it, man. I hope y'all had a great Thanksgiving, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay, man. Take care. All right, that's Rodney Nabulski. Check him out, ugasports.com. Talking a little bit of Gamecocks and Georgia. Again, a game that I just does not have the quite normal same feel, Chris, that I feel like it normally does. But um, we've actually said that a lot this year. So we'll see. The two teams will play. I don't see the path. You know, we have an article called The Path to Victory. I don't see much of a path. But but we'll see. We'll, we'll see what, what happens. We'll see. We, you know, we'll find out. I think we're both sort of assuming that, that we're going to see Luke Doty get his first career start. Um, South Carolina has not made that official yet, but that would be my, uh, let's say, educated guess on that. So at, at the very least, fans will get a, a, another long look at, at number four potentially. But other than that, what what, what is your path, man? I mean, I haven't. I haven't written my portion of that article yet because I don't really know what to say. <laughs> yeah, no, I haven't either. And uh, we may we may be publishing that tomorrow, possibly. But we, we do have some time before the game. we got some other stuff to push out, too. But it'll give us some time to think on it. You know, I, I think it would come down to a situation like we saw last season, you know, where um, – and look, South Carolina is not as poised – to win that type of game anyway. You know, you got to think, last year, South Carolina won a nail-biter, right, where 
they they didn't do much of anything in the second half other than they got some first downs here and there that were critical. But they won that game by getting three turnovers, one of which was a pick six, and then they had an explosive play to Brian Edwards on, I think, a 46-yard touchdown. Other than that, they just played good defense, they got turnovers, and they moved the chains a little bit at critical times, and there's some critical plays that went their way. Um, and I, I think it would have to be that type of game. Now, there's not a Brian Edwards out there. There's not even going to be a Shy Smith out there, it doesn't appear. Um, could South Carolina run the ball a little? Maybe, you know, with Luke Doty, Kevin Harris. I mean, obviously the running game has been pretty good in most games, really good in some games. Uh, but Georgia obviously is going to key on that. And so the, re- the lack of receiving threats is even greater uh, for South Carolina than, than it has been at any point this year. And so that that creates a big-time challenge for you. Then you have the fact that, you know, Georgia offensively, they have a lot of talent. I mean, they got a big offensive line. They can run the football. South Carolina is going to be outmanned there because they've got some guys that are banged up, maybe even out, you know, secondary-wise, whether you're talking about Jermaine Burton, Kiaris Jackson, uh, you know, George Pickens. I mean, they got one-on-one matchup guys that, that can beat you. And so, uh, you know, that that's a, a longer version of, of saying, I think Georgia would have to play. I mean, I'm just being frank. They'd have to play really poorly. This would have to be another, you know, big turnover margin loss for Georgia. And South Carolina would just have to make enough plays here and there, maybe some explosives, maybe some good fortune type plays. And, and that would be really the, the path to an upset. And even then it's, it's tough to see, you know, just with where this team's at. Yeah, and, and obviously going into that game last year, nobody nobody foresaw a South Carolina upset then either. But again, like like I said to Roddy, it's dude, you're talking about, like you said, Brian Brian Edwards, the guys you can list off that made really big plays in that game, they're they're not here anymore. Um uh, Javon yeah. Kenlaw, you know, making big plays in that game. Um Shoot, man, I, I remember it seemed like Kobe Smith had a really good game stopping the run. You know, these guys – yeah, T.J. Brunson had a, had a good game. Izzy had his three picks, one being a pick six. Izzy obviously is not, uh, you know, on the team anymore. So, all, all the guys, uh, you know, and obviously I think they'll be able to run the football a little bit. But I, I remember Rico Daddle having some decent hard runs, uh, you know, even though the offense the offense didn't do much in the second half, they did – move the football at times um, on the ground just enough to sort of flip the field a little bit from what I remember in the second half. So, uh, And that was a game, man. It counts as a W, but if you replayed it a bunch of times, you know, it kind of just played out the exact way South Carolina needed it to in order to win. Would What are the chances, you know, that that happens again um, without those sort of difference makers on the field? I would say probably not a great chance, but hey, that, that's why they play the games. And at least for South Carolina, it's another chance for some of these young guys. I think you know, not just Luke Doty, some of your long, young guys in the secondary, um, you know, some some guys at receiver, maybe at least to get to play and play against good competition, and then sort of um, go from there, I guess, and, and learn from, frankly, learn maybe from some some mistakes. So we'll see. Uh, Chris, you want to tell everybody about? our sponsor, Dead Soxie, and how maybe people can get a great deal. This is Black Friday um, as we're doing this live and as we're recording as well. So uh, maybe a great deal for everybody at DeadSoxie.com. Yeah, DeadSoxie.com, one of our awesome sponsors here, GC Live. That is D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com. And for Black Friday, we've told you about this all week on the show. If you want to go get uh, for yourself or for a gift for someone for Christmas, right around the corner, obviously, uh, check out their non-slip socks, whether it's the no-show variety, you can wear with your tennis shoes, uh, the bordering dress socks. Wes and I both have tried them out. They are awesome. Uh, they've got some more Gamecock sort of centric product coming soon, but they have a really good selection already. Check out the promo code SPUR, S-P-U-R. That will get you buy one, get one free. You can use that code as many times as you want. You can uh, pick one pair and then put another in your cart of equal or lesser value and get at completely free at deadsoxy.com. So D E A D S O X Y.com. Make sure after you log off of listening from the show that you go check those guys out and support them. B 
because we appreciate them supporting us. No doubt. Um, appreciate everybody that's watched or listened to the show as well. They make the show possible and uh, they make these sponsorships possible, um, which certainly helps out me and Chris in a number of ways. Trey wants to know, Chris, if we can touch on DJ Swearinger um, and his thoughts towards some of the younger players on the team. I'll say this. One thing that, that DJ never did was hold back on how he felt. And I think that that clearly was the case when he was at South Carolina. That remains the case to this very day. Um, and you do have sort of an odd little – Chris, there, there's just this odd vibe right now with the South Carolina program. And almost – I don't know. You may have a better word for it. There's almost an awkwardness right now between the players and the fans, between the current sort of generation of Carolina players and that last generation of Carolina players. Um, that's also, I think, where you sort of had this, where this divide started, where I think college players are more and more in tune with the fact that these universities and coaches are making millions of dollars and they're not. So they're a little bit more in tune with sort of the business side of things and making business decisions. We've seen it gradually go that way as time has gone on. First, it starts out, you know, guys just not playing their their fourth year. Then eventually that got to a point of, guys sitting out of a bowl game. And, you know, even when Clowney played, it was sort of this idea of should Clowney play his final year. But he he played anyway. So I, I just feel like the thought process of the average college football player is maybe a little bit different now than it was when Swearinger and Gurley and, and those guys that have been outspoken – here but obviously there's a from from the cultures of the program right now to back then there's this weird divide right now that I feel like is very hard to put into words but whoever the new coach is I don't I don't know how you get past this but to me that that's going to be a key thing moving forward is for South Carolina as a fan base as a program of current players as a program of former players they're not always all going to agree. That's impossible. But to find some common ground, I think. Yeah, and you've said that. I, I think you nailed it on, on Twitter one night at, when you said, you know, the program needs a unifier. And look, is the team going to win or lose a game or, or just in general if some guys are sniping at each other on Twitter? Pro- probably not necessarily, but – I think South Carolina's got to get to a place where it can do a lot of the little things better than everybody else. You know, that, mm-hmm. that's what that's what this program is going to have to do in order to take another step. And so um, th- there's a lot of different things for South Carolina if they can ever turn it around and become, you know, a consistently a consistent program in terms of winning. I think there, there's going to have to be a combination of so many different things that happens for them because that's what happens with even – you know, schools with a big, a better logo, a more recognizable logo, but, th- but they've got to do some of those, those smaller things. And so what's the answer to that? I'm not sure, but I, I think you make a great point. You know, it, well, it used to be just, you know, there was a time and we'll speak to South Carolina, you know, where it was just, well, guys are leaving early, you know, after the bowl game, right? Well, Captain Munnerlin left too early. Eric Norwood was basically out the door and then came back, fortunately, for South Carolina, you know, just some guys that, that it seemed like they're rushing to get out. And then things sort of changed to where if you had some guys that did go early, it didn't matter quite as much because they, it seemed like a good decision to go early. Jadavian Clowney, obviously. I mean, <laughs> we knew that when he was in high school, he'd be, he'd be leaving early. Um, and, and some other guys that, you know, stayed and they developed and, um, and then the team won. And so everything was good, you know, South Carolina's opt-outs this year were for different reasons. You know, all, all the different guys op- that opted out were all for different reasons. Um, but it has created this disconnect, and it has changed. The landscape of college football is so much different now 
Um, a lot of people don't like it, and I understand that. Um, we're, we're about it's about to get ramped up even more because college kids are about to have the ability to cash in on their name, image, likeness. Almost all of them are going to think that that means a lot of money for them, and it's not going to, because even NFL players, a lot of them, the majority of them, don't rack up a bunch of endorsement deals. But um, so it is going more and more that direction. That is probably part of it. It is different, but I think some people. For South Carolina fans especially, it's especially painful because they say, look to the upstate, and they go, man, Travis Etienne was a, a first or, I mean, at worst, second-round pick, and he's back. You know, Trevor Lawrence isn't – I mean, he's, is he going? Probably, but he's, you know, not rushing out the door. He's not saying, oh, I'm out of here as soon as I can be. So, now, is that going to happen everywhere? Is it even going to happen every year at Clemson? No, they've had a bunch of guys leave early too, even some earlier than – people thought they needed to, but there's just a lot of things around South Carolina and they can look back to that time period that was so successful and somebody that played his heart out every game like DJ Swearinger, who has so much respect for this fan base. And when he's speaking on that, you know, it really resonates, which, which I fully understand. So finding a way to bring those people together, um, you know, how do you do it? I don't know, but, but it needs to be done for sure. Yeah. And the fact, I don't, I don't don't know. That um, DJ was speaking on the on the DBs as well. It's sort of I, I don't know for for some reason that because I, I imagine those guys looked looked up to DJ Swearinger a little bit, you know. So I, I don't know. To me, it just carried a little bit more weight, Chris, because it was uh, it was sort of a DB on DB um, deal there as far as what what DJ had to say. But but obviously. Um, again, you respect the fact that DJ has never held back as far as how he feels. And that may have sometimes made people, you know, people feel uncomfortable that may have sometimes, uh, you know, you're, you're not always going to agree with DJ Swearinger either, but the dude is going to come from the heart basically on exactly how he feels. And he brought an edge to those defenses that, you know, we've talked to, we've talked about it. I don't know if South Carolina has ever quite, gotten it back um, since, since DJ left, even though they've had some decent defenses in there. The, his heart and determination and leadership that he brought to those defenses um, has been very difficult for South Carolina to clone or to find um, in the years since DJ was here. Um, I think that's going to about do it for today's show. We'll obviously have plenty more content on GamecockCentral.com coming up. Coaching search will continue on. When uh, I'm guessing, I think, Chris, maybe a hot board update uh, here shortly. When do you think maybe uh, fans should look out for a potential update on the Insiders Forum again? Hopefully this weekend sometime, and I'll loop tonight in with that. I don't want to – I really don't want to overpromise. You know, we're, we are sort of at the mercy of getting new information. I don't want to – just regurgitate things or throw out an update just to say we have one and it's really not substantial. We've tried to pack in, you know, actual information and insight into every update that we've done. So uh, hopefully soon, hopefully this weekend, uh, there, there'll be some further movement and we'll be able to pass along some things. Sounds good for uh, Chris Clark. I'm Wes Mitchell. Appreciate um, a great week of, uh, of support from everybody. Appreciate everybody on the podcast, on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter. If you, uh, whatever platform you watch, please uh, leave a review or hit a like or whatever that platform uh, requires you to do. Um, We certainly appreciate it. It helps us. It helps us with sponsors as well. Hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving, and I hope everybody has a great weekend as well. For Chris, I'm Wes. We will see you all on Monday. When you need milk for Zoe and a cold brew for yourself, Baker's Delivery will get you just what you need in as little as 30 minutes. Open the Baker's app and start your cart, whatever the cart. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Delivery time's not guaranteed. Restrictions may apply. See site for details. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sportsbook. 
Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. 